Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian Mercedes Nickel. Thank you so much for dropping in on series six. This is a series where I have a little, I'm having a little fun with my friends. We're talking about traveling and on the road. Obviously, series five was a little bit about mental health. It was a tough season, uh, fall with um, COVID and mental health issues. I was going through a lot and it's January now, February, the Olympics are going. I wanted to lighten the mood and have some fun with my guests. So. Thank you so much for dropping in on episode 52. Let me introduce the guest that we will be dropping in with. I have had the pleasure of being at three Winter Olympic Games with our next guest. He has represented Canada, Team Canada, at all three Winter Olympics in bobsled. Now, I have to get into this. He also had a career in the NFL with the Washington Redskins and the Seattle Seahawks, as well as playing for the CSCFL with Edmonton and the Hamilton Tiger Cats, who he was with for four years. Unfortunately, slash fortunately, he, in 2009, he suffered a dislocated shoulder, but that led him to bobsledding. The 2010 Vancouver Games were his first Olympics with a quick transition from football from football to bobsled. He took home two fifth place finishes in Vancouver and he wasn't finished with football after those games. He played for the Calgary Stampeders until a torn ACL made him focus on bobsled full time. Now pushing a 400 pound sled earned him two world championship silver medals. This son, husband, father, friend, NFL and CFL player Three-time Olympian, two-time World Cup, world champion medalist, sports analyst, has got to have some good stories from the road. Let me introduce Jesse Lumsden. How are you? Mercedes. What a nice <laughs> intro. Oh, you did it all yourself. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, I <laughs> it's nice to see uh, you. It's, so this is our first Olympics not at the games together. <laughs> I know. And it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's super. Have you been busy? Yeah, it's an understatement. Uh, so <laughs> it, like, it's it doesn't even feel like I I was watching slope style the other night. Yeah. Um, first off, I was watching the OB feed, and I was wildly frustrated. Me too. Uh, and then I was like, "Wait, where's Craig? I where's know. Where, what's what's happening?" And then I realized I was like, "I'm on the wrong channel, you idiot." I was like, oh, "Okay, thank God." I know a lot of people are doing the OB feed, but yeah, it wasn't pretty being, uh, having both of us announced things before it's like, it's painful for me at least. And I get it. People like they're doing their very best and and trying to figure it out. But when you have like somebody like Craig doing it or somebody like Helen doing it with bobsleigh, uh, you know, they, they do such a good job of like telling the story, painting the picture, explaining the nuances that, an idiot like me when it comes to snowboarding knows nothing about <laughs> Craig. So we're talking about Craig McMorris, who is Mark McMorris's brother, uh, amazing mm. sports analyst for CBC as well. And then your wife now she's just gone to Toronto. She flew this today. Yeah. To go to get ready for the, all the sliding event, all the bobsleigh sliding events. And today we are recording. It is February 9th for the listeners that are out there. Jesse, we got into it early, but I have to start with the rapid fire that's never rapid. Are you ready to drop in? 
Yeah. Uh, one correction. I, I my career in the NFL lasted about as long as it's going to take me to drink this tea. Okay. So I wouldn't call it as much of a career. But thank you. I appreciate the pump. Anyway, rapid fire. Let's go. Okay. Number one. What is the one thing you traveled with that was a must-have for your sport? Uh, the last couple seasons was my Normatec. I bought it one of those Normatec systems. And yeah. that was a, yeah, I traveled with that everywhere I went. And then prior to that, I was trying and pretending to learn how to play the guitar. So I had a, I have a travel tailor that I brought with me as well for a few years that more people on the team played with than probably I did, but it was, <laughs> I mean, it got good use out of it. So now the Norma tech, I had, um, who on an episode, I think episode 30, and we talked about that as well. It's that thing that kind of flushes your legs for you, for the listeners that don't totally. know. Very good. Yeah. Okay. Number two, who would be the most high profile contact in your phone? Huh. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, to you. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, high profile to me would be my mom and dad. So yes. shout out to mom and pa, a couple high, high, high profile folks. Um, I, I grew up early days with Jesse Palmer um, okay. and he's now the host of the bachelor. He was on the bachelor played in the NFL. was a Florida Gator. Like, um, and funny enough, uh, like after the Vancouver Olympics, he texted me and he's like, dude, I'm in Vancouver. I was like, let's rage. And, and we did. And it was like, so we got back together and we've stayed, we stay in touch uh, pretty regularly. He's nice. I guess you could throw it. Uh, yeah, sure. Or Dean Blundell. Dean Blundell is probably the highest profile guy. Is he? Oh, that's so funny. I was just on his show the well, other day. Well, I'll make him feel good. Yeah. Oh, um, we'll pump up his tires. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number three, what is your top song or playlist right now? Oof. Right now, I'm listening to a lot of, like, life is kind of crazy. Um, so I two have a, a playlist on my, on my yeah, two kids. I, we're building a a digital bank here in Calgary. Um, Helen just joined the fire department. She's in Toronto. So I listened to um, a playlist that I've called cabin nights and it has a lot of really chill stuff on it. Um, mixture of some acoustic, some classical stuff. Um, my Neil Young has been since removed from it <laughs> from Spotify. Uh, but there's some, yeah, there's some other, if I pick up something, it's like, ooh, that'd be good on the Cabin Nights playlist. And that's kind of like after I put the kids down to bed, I throw yeah. that in as I get dinner prepared. Awesome. On Spotify. You made your own playlist. I made my own playlist, yeah. I like it. Number four, if you could go back to the Olympics, I know you went three times. Um, mm -hmm. Would you choose winter or summer? Well... Like back, like get back to like a preview, like one that I've already done before. Like if you would go again, you've already done three, oh, you go to another yeah. one. And I'm, am I good at, at something in summer? Like am I, am I there <laughs> you, for a good reason? It's your own journey. You choose. Oh, for sure. Then 100 meter final right here. <laughs> <laughs> summer. I like it. Okay. Now, if you were invisible, what is the first thing that you would do? I was invisible. Mm. Probably scare the hell out of my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Just start moving stuff. 
yeah, like a, uh, that would probably be the, f the first thing I did. The second thing would probably be, oh God, that's a good question. Right. <laughs> I'd want to go somewhere that I really wanted to understand like something like how, what actually happens behind this door or what actually is going on over here? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's, I like that. Uh, number six. Start on the book. Okay. Um, yeah. Number six. Are you big city or small town kind of guy? I'm kind of like tweener. <laughs> so you're tweener. in Calgary, right? Yeah. And I wouldn't say Calgary is a big city, but it's like kind of like it's spread a, out a, a lot. Mix of, yeah. Super spread out. Super spread out. I, yeah. I'm not a big city guy, though. I would say I'm definitely not a big city guy. Yeah, nice. Uh, okay, number eight. Uh, no, number seven. What would you say is the biggest risk that you've taken in your life so far? Uh, trying to be a professional football player and then trying to be a professional tobogganer and then joining a, a startup two weeks after my second kid was born. Those are probably a couple of them. <laughs> I mean, it's you only lot. got one, one, one go, right? So you yeah, might as well take some risks and jam pack it all in. Well, I mean, like you know it. that, like as a snowboarder, you're like, yeah. the, like the the amount of risks that you take on a daily basis is trumps most I mean, people's entire lives. Going down a bobsled track would be a massive risk for me. Yeah, that's risky. As long as you, I mean, yeah, if I was you know driving, it'd be a risk. If, 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 if Justin was driving or Helen was driving, it wouldn't be a risk. <laughs> no, no, because I remember, um, what was, I think it was after Sochi. So that was my third Olympics and I had my black eye yeah. and I was all messed up. Mm -hmm. And, and, yep. um, you guys were like, yeah, we'll take you down the track. And then I thought about it later. I'm like, I, in Whistler, like here, I, I really wanted to, but I still don't think I could do that. Cause your, your guys' head kind of. Yeah, I wouldn't do it now. After you've kind of gone through a couple conkeys, I'd say, yeah, that ship has sailed. But yeah, um, I'm just gonna watch. It's yeah, just watch it. <laughs> um, okay, number eight. After retirement from the Olympics, has your view of the Olympics changed at all? No, not for the purpose of like how I see the Olympics. My I'm a little, I'm a little jaded by the, um, by what happens behind the scenes, mm -hmm. but in regards to the, like the, the, in the purest form of what it's about is like d d competition amongst, you know, uh, different countries, um, in a, in a fair and clean environment. That's, that still remains the same, but it's definitely been jaded by, unfortunately, by the, you know, the powers that be, whether it be IOC or uh you know political governments with russia and sochi and all that sort of shit uh, oop, pardon yeah. my language um <laughs> but from the peers form like the stories that come out of the olympics and like the competition side is still very much an amazing amazing thing it's so true yeah i think like for me reflecting on them and being like whoa that was a lot of life and <laughs> i wouldn't say my views changed on the olympic but like having that time to reflect is is something else for sure totally yeah all right, number nine, what is the best way that you would say to travel is? Uh, like, what do you mean? Like, means of travel? Plane, pl plane, plane would probably be the, my, my choice. Yeah. Uh, but it depends where we're going. Like, I love camping. Um, 
you know, I love being on the water, but I'd say like, yeah, flying through the air at, you know, hundreds of miles an hour is at thousands of feet in the air is a pretty, a pretty cool experience. I think we take for granted. I know a lot, especially with the pandemic going on where we've been grounded for a while. A lot of mm-hmm. us, so for sure playing. That's a good answer. Number 10, you were on the road a lot um, as an athlete in all retrospects. What would you say are the top three places that you traveled to? Hmm. For sport or just generally speaking? General. Um, Top three. Okay. I'm going to choose a sport one. Um, I'm going to say St. Moritz, Switzerland. Yes. It's oh, you, you, you bobsledded there. Racing. Yeah, we race in, we have no business being in St. Moritz. It's like, <laughs> I heard it. I, I was there for the youth Olympics. Yeah, like Lamborghinis with snow tires driving around, private jets flying in every 15 minutes, and then us and our, our sprinter vans coming in, you know, to cause chaos for a week. But it is, it is, it's the most beautiful track in the world because it's naturally made out of ice and snow every year. Um, but it's also just a, it's like, it's frigid cold, but absolutely bluebird day every single day. It's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. So that's sport. Um, personal. Uh, I got to Justin, my teammate, and I went to Vietnam after the test event in Korea. That was pretty cool experience. Um, I got a chance to go to El Salvador with World Vision for back in 2008. That was a very eye-opening experience as well. Um, yeah, I've been fortunate to go to, to some pretty cool places. I guess if I could give you one more. Yeah, you can. I wouldn't say no. Okay. If you're not going to say no. Um, <laughs> I went with, uh, I went to, um, the British Virgin Islands, but sailing. Oh, cool. But so you sailed there? Was, we didn't sail there, but we sailed once we were in the BVI. And I never, I'm not like, definitely wasn't like, I'd never experienced that before. So just being able to sail like from island to island and hop around and um, live on a sailboat, that was a pretty cool experience. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Wicked. Those are good spots all over the world. I have one more. Oh, you want more? I have to say one more. Yeah, I just forgot about it. Um, I spent like eight, four four weeks in Tuscany, Italy. That's probably one of the most magical places on earth. Like actually, like one of the best places. Was that was that leisure? That wasn't sport. It was through gold medal plates. Like we were on our hosts. So So you were biking. 
so we we're biking and then listening to like Jim Cuddy sing songs at night, drinking Italian red wine and eating pasta, just throwing it off my, like, yeah, that was, that was life. an okay way to see Italy. Yeah. It's a tough life entertaining others. <laughs> it is exhausting though. It's like, it's like, it's like camp for adults. Yeah, for sure. You know, hundred people roll in, you party with them for a week and then you, another hundred people roll in the next week and you got to learn all their names and they're all fired up and you're kind of like petering on the brink of, you know, collapse and they're all bright eyed and bushy tailed because it's their first week. And don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. I'm Sounds not complaining. like living in a resort town. <laughs> yeah. 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 Where we yeah, have exactly. to say like, people are like lost driving in Whistler and you're like, Oh yeah, they've never been here before. Okay. <laughs> Just yeah. be calm and carry yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesse, thank you. That was the rapid fire. Um, Thank you so much for that insight. I know traveling with the bobsled team is interesting. One of my mm -hmm. first questions is when you're on the road, do you guys travel with your weights? Because you guys just like lift yeah. weights all the time. That's what we do. That's all we do is you just lift weights. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, so it's pretty much like it's kind of like the circus. We fly into Europe and then yeah. uh, we have all of our sleds and equipment shipped over. Uh, and then we get everything packed into like vans and sprinter vans. Yeah. And we jimmy rig the sprinter vans so we can fit two bobsleds in them. And then we have a, and then we distribute weights amongst all the teams. Wait, so how do, we oh, wait rewind. How do you fit two bobsleds in the, the vans? So that's, that's the interesting thing. So like, if you think about like the back of a sprinter van, it's pretty narrow. So yeah. what we end up doing is we put like a four by four piece of wood over top of the wheel hubs inside. Yeah. Yeah. And that way we can actually have two sleds up and over and they're sitting nose down. And then we have more space underneath this bags and equipment and tools and all that jazz. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, it's like literally the circus and we drive all of our crap to the, that location. We unload it all set up usually in a garage of some kind. We set up all of our weights. So that becomes our gym or like in the lobby of a hotel sometimes, depending on where we are. Um, and then we train and we race and we pack it all up right after the race. And we, then we drive to the next track and it can be like a four hour drive or it can be an 18 hour drive. And how, who drives? Yeah. There's usually like a couple people on the team that will like share driving responsibilities. Like Ben Cokewell was a guy who was always like driving and like, I liked, I like driving as well. So like, a few times I would just take the sprinter van on my own and just go to the next, leave early and go to the next destination just to have like some alone time. Right. Um, Cause you're with people all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, definitely. There's definitely some, and there were some people who just never got behind the wheel either. Okay. That was me for a long time. I was like, I'm still the youngest. And then I became the oldest. I was like, Oh no, drive. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, on the road, like how many you spend most of the year in Europe, correct me if I'm wrong, with that crew. It, do you have like good memories from that? Like good travel stories? Oh God, yeah. Like you may, you some of the places we go are absolutely brilliant and amazing, like St. Moritz or like Königsee, Germany. But there's also some real, you know, not so great places like Altenburg, Germany and Winterburg, Germany. And um, so you make the best of it. You have fun. Like the, the good thing is, is that I've most of the people that I raced with are friends 
So yeah. you have a great time and totally. you have responsibility, but you're on the road and your main primary responsibility is working out and getting ready to race. So it's not really like real life responsibilities. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's a different world, but it is the athlete world. Um, can you give us some insight to like, okay, your daily routine, you'd work out, eat. I know you guys eat a lot of food too. Um, mm -hmm. Was there like any games that you guys would all play together? You obviously would have had, did you have roommates? Did you always have the same roommate? Yeah, it depended like to who was sliding with who, but um, uh, Justin and I roomed together a lot. Um, but I've roomed with just about everybody on the team at, at one point or the other. But yeah, board games was a big thing on the road. Like so what like, board games? Risk was a big one for a couple of years. Nice. Um, what was like the Sochi year? The Settlers of Japan. I never got into Settlers, but okay. what was the other one with the trains? Um, oh, trains. I forget. Yeah. I don't know. We only ever, ever traveled with Catan. And then we watched yeah, a lot of TV. Yeah, a lot of TV. Like the last couple of years, I was like doing schooling as well. I was trying to bring at least a few books on the road with me. Had Smart. the guitar that I would share with everybody. Yeah. Um, tried to get out and do some adventuring too, because like you go to a place like Altenburg and then you realize Prague is only a 45 minute drive away. Yeah, so that's it's like, something. okay, we got a day off. So you went, you did it. Yeah. Yeah, go check it out and go see some sights. And um, I remember the Pyeongchang here. We were at our holding camp in uh, Munich. So we went to a Munich Red Bulls hockey game, which was super cool because there was a bunch of Canadians playing there. So a bunch of us went and, you know, had some beers and watched the Red Bull. Uh, and it was a super cool experience because it's very similar to like the soccer games that they had the one section where they had their the Red Bull fans that were crazy and they were doing all the songs and stuff like that. And then we found out Bayern Munich was playing uh, later on that week. So we went and saw a Bayern Munich uh, football match, which was probably one of the coolest experiences. You know, I've never really been, I've never been to a professional soccer game before. And Bayern Munich yeah. is one of the all time great teams. And so that seeing that, then seeing like the true football fans and in their, in their sort of element, yeah. that was, that was super, that was super cool. I can't imagine all of you guys there. Like you're big guys and just cheering on the teams. I, I would love that. I never really yeah. got to like, because when you're at the Olympics, you guys are pretty much always training and always going throughout the whole games. And then I think like the last night is the only night that we would get to hang out and like just relax, right? And just like burn the place down. <laughs> I always say that we train hard, but we party hard too. <laughs> Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like four man bobsleigh is on the is on the last. Like you finish the race, you pack your shit, then you go to closing ceremonies. And, and then, remember, and, and, and then in Sochi, we had crashed in the four man, and yeah. there was I, I marched and I marched my ass right out of that stadium after marching and went right into Canada House and got into it with a bunch of the other guys because none of us wanted to see any sort of Russian sort of performance at that point in time. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. No, I mean, we have a lot of good times at the Olympics, but I do miss the like team mentality. It's weird. As we said earlier, kind of I'm watching from home, but I'm still cheering everyone on. And there's so many athletes that are, that are there that are our friends from past games. It's wild. Totally. Um, just like our, the, the, the lounge as well. Like that's where I felt like we connected the most and yeah. 
kind of have to be careful not to get too vested into the other sports. Cause like you use a lot of, you burn a ton of energy, like getting excited and cheering on, but it was at the same time, it was always very special. Like the fact that, you know, Jesse and Mercedes would be hanging out and then all of a sudden Johnny Moe and Ben and Heber would walk in and, you know, then you see figure skaters and some of the hockey players and they, they, that's the, that's the cool aspect. And Anastasia Busis would uh, come in and, um, I agree. Those are I some agree. of my that fondest me- memories. For sure, for sure. I know we need to have a, a, a family reunion of our of our Olympics because I feel like we were all so tight. And I, I appreciate you taking the time on here to give the like little inside scoop of what it's like to be on the road with bobsled. What about with um, football? When you were going around with like a massive team, was that completely mm-hmm. different for you? It was, it was always quick trips, right? I mean, the only time we would ever stay for more than a day was like when, when I was playing with Hamilton and we'd go to BC. Um, and at that time, the league was, it was very much a fun league to be a part of. It, it was also very funny because we'd be flying on commercial planes on WestJet. So we'd get onto the flight and then <laughs> like, civil, I don't want to say civilians, but everybody else would get onto the plane and you'd just see like, who's the poor SOB that's got to sit between the old linemen. Like, <laughs> like gigantic. The yeah. fit, so fit. It's amazing. That's oh, yeah. And then you get, and it was when WestJet had to, you had to swipe a credit card to purchase a movie. I don't yes. know if you remember that. So it's like rookie, give me your credit card. I'm watching a movie. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. A little bit different traveling in the CFL as the, than a bobsled. <laughs> I can assume. Yeah. Just Very a little different. bit. Um, well, thank you so much. I do have one question. This is Olympic based because this is going to come out um, next next Thursday, probably close to when the closing okay. ceremonies happen. Okay. Did you march in all opening and all closing ceremonies? Yes, you did. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, we were always because after after opening, we had a, always had a five day break, mm-hmm. and because we were always kind of second half of the games for two men and four men. So always marched. Um, I only stayed for uh, Vancouver's opening and closing actual ceremonies. Every other games I, I would march and then I would go back to the village and put my feet up and watch from TV and have yeah, some pizza with awesome. people. Yeah. I just wanted to, I, Vancouver was, Vancouver was very, very special as you, as you know. So, mm-hmm. but um, it's uh yeah, it was more about protecting performance at that point. And then at closing, it was more about just wanting to go and have some fun with friends. For sure. And I think that shows, too, every time that the closing happened, because you don't walk in with your country, and it's, it's, it is a different environment, for sure. Um, yeah, can I, I ask you also... Sure. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I miss doing my quadrennial annual and quadrennial totem pole with Scott Moyer and Sam Edby. <laughs> what a crew what a freaking yeah. crew so fun um though we didn't touch on your wife where did you meet did you guys travel together as do men and women travel together on the road for bobsled yeah helen i met, I met helen for the first time in the vancouver airport she was <laughs> wearing a black she was wearing a black floppy toque with a black long lululemon uh, zip-up sweater um and we were friends. We became friends pretty quick and we were friends for a long time before we started dating and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, we met because of Bob's life for sure. And then we didn't start dating until after she was 
well past retired. And now she's announcing she's in Toronto about to freaking, when does it start soon? Soon. Yeah. I don't know when I think official training started today. So that would be three days. So I think it's maybe, uh, I don't know. It's online somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll figure it out. Don't worry. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for dropping in today. Where can people find you online if they want to see what you've been up to? Well, I have a Twitter account. Haven't logged in in a few years, so don't go there. Um, Instagram, I'm pretty poor at posting, but have some stuff. That's jesse.lumsden on Instagram. And uh, that's, yeah, that's that's kind of it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And uh, enjoy dad time and watching the rest of the Olympics. And I'll see you on the 23rd for Pink Shirt Day with, 100%. with Jimmy. I can't and, wait. And it's going to be great. Good job. And good job with everything you're doing. I'm loving the podcast. I'm loving what you're doing. You're doing a great job. And thanks for having me on. Thanks, Jesse. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. You bet. Thanks so much for dropping in today. You can find everything you want to know about dropping in with Mercedes at droppinginwithmercedes.com. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Thanks, DJ Kenosis, for the music and my mom for the intro voice. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.